0: So yeah, so mission accomplished, which I, I'm sure doesn't say anything at all about the politics of the day, not at all. <laughs> right. Autobots, transform and roll out. Guess what? It's time for another thrilling episode of Two Mike's Two Furious Animated Transformers. I don't know why I was so enthusiastic. I'm like, let's go. Guess what? Oh, no. It's like I'm not coming off of like a, a, a thrilling two-parter or whatever. I guess I'm just uh, that, that that coffee is really hitting my bloodstream, I guess. I got I got some like, you know, vitamin water, triple uh, X in here. I'm feeling like Vin Diesel. Anyway, uh, super stoked, ready to go. Uh, welcome back for another episode of Two Mike's Two Furious animated transformers uh we are obviously the podcast where we talk about transformers animated from two different perspectives i am your first time viewer my name is mike Seibert and along with me my my spiritual guide my spark soul brother as always it's uh michael andrews how uh, how we doing buddy? Good, good,
1: good. Uh, uh, Not not quite as enthused as you are. I don't know if I can match that energy of my co-host who who clearly just got back from a bathroom break at a
0: 1980s nightclub. Yes. Cocaine is a hell of a drug. (laughs) But yeah, doing good. Excited to be here awesome well we are we are uh tag team back at it again uh we're back at it again tag team back again that's that's what i was trying there, to say we nailed uh it. At, thank you <laughs> yeah <it> only <laughs> took me three times uh i i think i think part of my enthusiasm here is um i i'm really stoked to talk about the episode uh that we're going to talk about of course we're talking about transformers animated season two uh episode three overall episode 19 accomplished. Um, it's a it's an action-packed show. A lot of cool stuff happened, so I'm really eager uh, to talk about it. But before we get into that, um, I would like to cede my time to the Senator from Naboo. And, um, in our previous episode, we heard a lot from me, and I got to wax philosophic about my generation's legacy united animated universe optimus prime figure and his sweet axe um but uh i thought for this uh this version of toy talk we would kind of get back to some of the roots a little bit and talk about some of the toys for some of these figures that we see prominently in this episode. So, uh, so Michael Anders, you had a, you had some figures from your collection that you wanted to talk about before we kind of got into the episode proper, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I did. Uh, Just to kind of, you know, I guess, spoiler alerts, kind of say goodbye to Ultra Magnus and Sentinel proper. Uh, I wanted to maybe talk about my toys, (laughs) Um, but you know, I I just realized I this this won't be as much of a toy review at all, but I just realized I kind of had like some some sentimental value for the toys that uh, of Sentinel and Ultra Magnus um, for my the vintage ones from my early collecting days. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I wanted to share that with you. Um, Ultra Magnus was actually uh, my only carryover action figure from my original collection. Um, uh, actually, it was one of three that I managed to save. Uh, so I, I had found it in a very remote target when I was in randomly in Northern Minnesota, visiting an ex-girlfriend, uh, I was dead broke. I shouldn't have been spending money on anything. I had probably sold most of my other transformers at this point, but I hadn't seen that action figure. This was back in the time when I, you know, wasn't really like internet was only kind of catching on to stuff like this. There wasn't really like Googling, you know, yeah. part, you know, I guess to go into a little bit, it's kind of like. It's fun. It was fun because you didn't know what toys were coming out. There wasn't yeah. like all these like press conferences and you never know what was going to get an action figure and all of a sudden some random background character in something, boom, there was a toy of it.
0: Uh, did you get that? You remember that Mike? Is I, I, that the kind I of do. vibe you had? You know, my, uh, my window into that world at that time was Toy Fair magazine. Uh, yes. which was kind oh of God, like a spin-off yeah. offshoot of wizard magazine. And yes. I was addicted to that. Yeah, oh oh my gosh, Twisted Toy Fair Theater and and all of that oh, so yeah. so good, so good. Um I I have very uh fond memories of both uh Toy Fair and Wizard. It's like you you couldn't have been a teenager in the 90s without having being into the the Wizard magazine publication window into pop culture. That that was uh you know, you talk about like influencing tastes and it's like you know, first of all, folks now are like, what's a magazine? But like, <laughs> you know, th- this was before social media and Twitter and like, you know, I mean, the Internet was kind of a thing, um, but still kind of in it- its infancy. You know, it's like, you know, you hear uh, tales of kind of like the old guard of, of Transformers fandom with, you know, um, uh, messaging groups and Ouija and and um, all of that. But like for folks of us that were just kind of like pop culture fans yeah that that was really kind of our our end so it's like yeah i remember like the the price guides and the and the countdowns and 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 all of that in fact i think that's probably where i first learned about botcon you know it was like oh, sure. know, and, and it was so exotic it was just like woo a a convention for transformers unheard of <laughs> um never now, go to one of those well exactly and and now. That's all I do. Like like Emerald City Comic Con is coming to Seattle and I'm not going. There there there's nothing there for me. Whereas I'm gladly going to uh, uh TFCon LA in in early March the 8th through the 10th down in Burbank and um you know, and it, it's just interesting how that landscape has changed. But now, you know, we talked so much. I mean, there, there's no, there's no G.I.J. There's no uh, '80s Toy Boy. There, there's no uh, B.W.T.F. You know, all of these like you know news sites and and folks in the fandom that you know, say nothing about like leaks or the the. TFW 2005 boards or all that. None of that culture that exists existed then. Um, So there would be times where you would just go into Target and you would get what you would get and you'd have no idea what it was. Now there's like i mean like i I remember during like the height of like the Ross boom during the uh holidays where it's like I was in specific Facebook groups posting Ross finds. It was that specific it's like, oh man, I found a uh two crashers at a at at a Ross in Seattle, you know it's like I took one and left the other, you know that kind of thing it's like yeah. or like the day I found a cosmos, it was because two others had been found at different stores geographically in the same place and i rolled the dice and sure enough there was there was a cosmos there B- but it's like that level of granular information that did not exist no. uh back in the day so um no. so yeah and, sorry sorry i didn't mean yeah, to stomp, no, no, stomp all over your, your your thing there but yeah it's just it's right. interesting the availability of information now yeah well i'm glad
1: you experienced that because yeah i was crucial to this story actually that someone else experienced this because that's what it was i walked into that store i mean you know, it completely wasn't looking for toys i probably stopped in because i needed a pack of gum or something uh, just in quick quick field trip to the toy aisle uh giant box the, the the ultra magnus figure is huge and it still actually commands a presence on my shelf over the other ultra magnuses it's it's a monster mm-hmm. um and, and i love it i no regrets even though it probably set me back on a couple bills at the time uh you know no regrets. It's it's an awesome toy. It's got it's got all these little moving pieces, lights. The sound on mine still works, everything like that. And one of my holy grails is they actually repainted that figure as Roadbuster in kind of like the orange and green and browns. Uh, I really want to get my hands on that. So I, I would gladly take it, too, because it's just such a cool mold. Yeah. But uh, so that's my that's my Ultra Magnus. Still have my original. My Sentinel, however, is not an original, um, even though he is quote unquote my favorite character from this for some <laughs> odd reason uh, but i did end up selling that at a garage sale because i was moving up north um northern minnesota to work at a ski resort i didn't have much space i obviously needed the money um and it and it reminded me of the X that i was visiting when i bought my ultra magnus so and i actually a fourth strike because i also thought it was haunted this is kind of a weird story that uh But I used to have like a few Transformers up on a shelf and I would consistently come home to that one being completely turned and like facing my bed uh, where none of the other toys would be touched. They would just sit there and I could never figure it out. None of my roommates at the time ever owned up to it. it. And they would have done something stupid like, you know you know making it have sex with another action figure right like it sure would, it would have sure. been something very blunt at the time but instead it was like always twisted just in a different direction like facing where i slept and i i think deep down i was weirded out by that so i didn't have much trouble selling it at the time um but when i went to my very first tfcon uh tfcon chicago 2014 That was the top of my list uh, to rebuy that one. I really wanted to get that one. Uh, And I'll never forget. I walked into the dealer room, which first of all, I was like, holy shit, there's such a thing as a dealer room. Like that was such a crazy experience for me. I had no idea. You know, I'd been I thought it would be at most like going to a garage sale or something. I never imagined market or something. Yeah. I never imagined like rows and rows of like just Transformers for sale. Like I could have anything I wanted at this. uh. But anyway, so I had this list, but I, you know, like I had a shopping list of Transformers I wanted to get and that was like the top of it. And I'll never forget because the first one I came across I, I also, I should say for context I also wanted one that was like loose or out of the box because I wanted to play with it. I wanted to pose it, I wanted to put it on my shelf. I didn't want, I didn't want it in package or anything for collector purposes. But the first one I came across was in the package and I specifically didn't get it. Uh, this is going to blow everyone's freaking mind because it was autographed by Derek J. Wyatt. And it had, and in fact, it had a little sketch of Sentinel uh, next to his signature. And at the time I just wasn't really into signatures or I wasn't really thinking like, you know, I wasn't the Derek J. Wyatt fan. I was back in the day, but it was a stupid price. I, I mean, stupidly low for what it oh. was. I mean, it was like, you know, practically shelf, you know, pr- or, you know, like sure. MSRP retail. Yeah. Huh, joke. Uh, but yeah, so I, I didn't get it because of that, but, uh, now I'm kicking myself. Now I sit here and I'm like, Oh, why didn't I, why didn't I get that? But I wanted one that I could open. And I thought in this world of, I was new to collecting. I was like, I'm never going to have two of a figure, LOL. Now I have tons of two of things. Right. Right. But, uh, yeah, that, that one, if that's out there, if someone got that, uh, right into the show and, and then give it to me
0: because i really regret <laughs> Well, Dang two man. calls to action there, right into the show and give me your toys. I yeah. love it. I love yeah. it.
1: Don't make me come and get it after you write into the show. <laughs> oh, uh, just just no. give it to me flat out. Right? I have a but certain what a cool of souvenir. I, I will <laughs> find you. And... Yeah. No, but what a cool souvenir for somebody. Uh, Derek J. Wyatt autographed Sentinel Prime.
0: Yeah. Well, and, and keeping in mind that like time and perspective and context is important in, in this, in that, like, you know, first of all, like, I mean, you, you said a moment ago, it's like, well, I don't know why I passed on it. I mean, you had a very good reason. It didn't, it didn't fit in your collection. It was uh, it was in a box and it was autographed. Now I would imagine if it was just in a box and if the price was right, you could just open it and toss the box, but having the autograph on there makes it something else. It's like, well, now I can't just throw this away, even though that's not what I want it for. Yeah. Um, and, th- and there's kind of a obligation of preservation there. It's like, you know, I- I've heard the uh, Triple Takeover guys Kind of talk about um, not necessarily in that context, but like, you know, when they get like something super vintage that's sealed and the perspective of like, well, do you open it or not? Like, you know, I, I've told the story about the um, uh, the guy that me and Aaron from APDC met at TFCon L.A. Uh, years ago, 2019, um, who bought a black Zarek off the off the show floor uh, vintage and it was oh, wow. sealed and he opened it because he wants he he's not a box collector in fact like he and i have had discussions about it's like well why do you got toys and boxes for it's like they're meant to be played with and all that and you know there was an element of danger there too because that that to- that toy is notorious for uh gold plastic syndrome a gps so it's like there there was a version of this where he could take it out of the styrofoam the minty fresh styrofoam and it just crumbles in his hands you know that there's there's a certain risk in there but it's like you know i i've heard on the triple takeover podcast it's like there there's you know it's like for every vintage toy that you open there's one fewer copy Of that sealed version out in the world now yeah so for like sealed mitten box collectors you're you're taking one out of that bin but at the same time your collection is your collection and I I I don't know if it's just because I'm getting older or wiser or Hasbro keeps changing their packaging styles but I find (laughs) I find myself playing with my my figures way more than I did when I was younger because like I I've I've I identify as a box collector. I like the aesthetic of um in-package figures, but there is also a perspective of like when when you are a mint in box collector, you're more or less just collecting for the next guy or the next person or or yeah. or who ends up with your collection after you're gone or something like that. You know, it's right. like so uh you know, I I have a you know, bookcase full of uh, G.I. Joe classified series. I, I've opened over half of them, but there's just as many that I haven't. And I do wonder sometimes, like, you know, I, I have like the uh, the Netflix Soundwave that goes for like triple digits now. I, I haven't opened it only because I have a second one that I received as a gift. And I opened that one because the package was kind of busted up. So yeah. it's like, so, but I, I have a bunch of sealed stuff, but it's like, but why? You know, and right. it's uh collector angst is probably a, a, a different topic for uh, for a different day. But it is interesting, like who you're collecting for. Are you collecting right. for yourself? Are you collecting for somebody else? Are you collecting for the greater good of the fandom or something? You know, it's like there's so more or less like. Let me throw this at you too. If like, if the price was right and the, and it was the only Sentinel and actually let, let me tangent a sec. So did you find a loose Sentinel at that, at that TF Oh,
1: I did. Yeah. I guess buried the lead there. Yeah, I did. I did find my own Sentinel.
0: Okay. Very good. Well, because I was going to say if like, let's say it gets to be like Deep Sunday and you have the choice between going home empty handed or taking that box Derek J. Wyatt one, I would think that you would be within your rights to buy that and gasp, throw away the box because it's, it it, but it's your toy. It's your True. collection and you're buying it for your own purposes. You're, you're not obligated to 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 preserve it, I mean, as 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 gauche as that, or not gauche, but like as as um abrasive as that might be to say, it's it's your collection, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah. Actually, that's a great point. I'm glad that situation didn't come up, but I will say that the very nature of TFCon made me appreciate more like artists and autographing and and in the box collecting. So by the so by actual Sunday. I was a completely changed person about collecting. Uh, you know, I thought at the time I didn't care about any of that stuff and keeping a toy in the box was the stupidest thing you could ever do. And I still feel like that a little bit to some extent. But by mm-hmm. the end of that weekend, I had much bigger respect for collectors and the and the artists and the voice actors and all this that goes into it and and what it probably meant to someone to get that autograph at the time and and what it meant for someone to come across that organically and, and find that. Autographed box and be like, oh my god, this is the pinnacle of my collection. I'm so glad I didn't just buy that and tear that open because the price, again, to reiterate, was that good. I was not scared off by that price at all. I was like, yeah, that's reasonable. Give it here.
0: Yeah, well, and 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 that's the other thing too. The the perspective of leave one for the next collector. You know, it's yeah. like it's like this isn't for my collection, but I'm you know it, it'll be for for somebody else. Like you know, uh, I don't want to necessarily get on a Ross dress for less tangent but it's like i i left a couple crashers behind i left a couple clampdowns behind you know or road haulers or uh the the half dozen scourge figures that i saw that didn't pick up that i could have i could have picked them up and flipped them but it's like it's like no i i I've gotten everything that my friends are looking for and I got stuff for myself. Also, these are for, for the next collectors that come behind me. It's like, you know, or it's some, some person that just comes and fills their shopping cart with discounted toys. It's like, that's, but, but that's not for me to police. It's like I I don't have the obligation to, you know, uh, rescue discounted toys to make sure that they end up in the hands of collectors. Like I I had said something on uh, one of my uh, um, I think I had said this to Whirl. like I think I was part of their extra life live stream. And I said something to the effect of like, you know, it would make me happy. To hear that a Cosmos just ended up in the hand of some kid just because, like, they thought it looked cool. You know, it's like that that kind of yeah. stuff, like, kind of actually makes me happy rather than like it was picked up by, like, some, you know, um, uh, toy hunter scalper type of person. You know, that kind of right. thing to, you know, flip it for, for profits or whatever. Um Sure. Because again, they're, 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 they're kids toys and, you know, yeah. and this is kids programming. So it's, I mean, it's, it's cool for us to engage with it as an adult, especially at this granular level that we're doing with this, this podcast and the show and, you know, and the toys that we enjoy as adults. But I think sometimes as adult collectors, we lose sight of that. These are just kids toys, <laughs> you know, it's like, That's that.
1: Great. yeah, um, I uh, real quick before we move on, I have a kind of yeah. a funny story. Uh we were having a, uh, I, th- I believe it was one, of, uh, what you'd call a classic Michael birthday, where all my friends were there, and I had uh, had had quite a few adult beverages by this point, but I had a um, in the box. Uh, Armada Unicron that oh, I got sure. for a stupid low price. Mm-hmm. I was very excited about it, but I'd been saving it till we moved into a new place to open it. But the plan was always to open it. The box was a little wrecked, dinged up. It was the plastic was completely missing. For all intents and purposes, it was open. My friend, however, who cares nothing about Transformers and is always giving him a hard, t- giving me a hard time about my collection, uh, didn't know that information. So I had invited him up to look at my collection in my new room, my new office area, and he's looking around, he's making the jokes as he does uh and then i point to a I'm like i've been waiting for this for a long time it's worth so much money and i finally got my hands on and this is like <laughs> end of the night i've had several drinks and i was like but you know what fuck it and i just tore it open i just ripped the packaging <laughs> off the and he's because he's very even though he's not a transformers guy he's very much like an ebay flipper collector guy and he just about died when i started tearing into that cardboard oh i'll never <laughs> forget the look on his face
0: oh that's 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 delightful that's yeah, uh felt that, great. that's it that's really that's, great. Al- <laughs> that's almost kind of like a sentinel optimist type of thing <laughs> kind of kind <laughs> of some of their their uh their dynamic here yeah oh my gosh that's uh um that's amazing. Uh, before uh before we uh before we transition and kind of jump right in uh to the episode, you know I I had mentioned yeah you know, we had mentioned this, this ended up being like a very TFCon heavy uh discussion, but you know I uh want to remind folks that I'll be at TFCon LA uh, uh first week of March, but you've been to that TFCon before too, Michael Andrews. I was wondering yeah. if you wanted to talk a little bit about your some of your memories of TFCon LA.
1: Oh man, it was a lot of fun. Uh, I I was out there visiting a friend too that just happened to kind of fall at the same time, so it's a really two for one uh, deal. But yeah, it was a lot of fun, and it's it's really great because like a lot of uh, a lot of people that wouldn't travel as far for other TF cons, like celebrities and voice actors and stuff, they all come to this because it's just right in their backyard. So there's a lot of it was a very condensed, packed weekend. Uh, you meet a lot of people, you see a lot of faces. It was very cool.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So yeah that that's uh that's coming up on March eighth through tenth. Uh, that's at the Los Angeles Marriott Burbank Airport Hotel and Convention Center. That's from their website tfla. dot com. Oh, thank uh, God. I yeah, I, just know. I that No, 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 no. I, I, I was I'm like he's good. This. He is good. <laughs> uh, not a paid endorsement by the way but it's just one of those things where it's like you know sometimes when you go to places with the express purpose of mingling you you have to tell people where you're going that kind of thing yes and that you're able to be mingled with exactly yeah i i'm just going as a fan so yeah it's just anyway if uh, if you're if you're there and you see me uh, uh say hi it's a it's a fun time
1: yes and tell him how much you like me on the show uh, so that he can come back with good news for me.
0: <laughs> I would love that. I, I, you know, I will probably take my little, little portable uh, digital recorder with me. And if uh, somebody is, is willing to talk about Michael Andrews, I will, I will record that and play that in a future. I really episode. want the sound
1: bite of someone being like, which mic are you? Oh, cyber. Ah! <laughs> 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 <laughs>
0: There's a the good mic? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like yeah it's like uh power rangers hat yes no and it's right, just like right. oh it's the oh it's the oh it's the mouthy one it's the one that doesn't shut up the mouthy one. God. oh the mouthy mike i love it <laughs> yeah, mouthy mike oh god that, that's that's got to be a button or a yeah, t-shirt or something. yeah exactly uh speaking of getting things started let's uh uh let's jump right in we are talking about uh again transformers animated season two episode three over episode 19 mission accomplished from may 3rd 2008 and i know i spent a lot of the last episode talking about the uh span of time between the episodes this is just the next week this this is the following week after the return of the headmaster um mission accomplished was written by marcia griffin who you might remember as penning megatron rising part one um she's uh she's got some other episodes coming up but so far for uh the early goings it's uh it's Megatron Rising part 1 and it's this. And yeah. she's kind of a a bigwig a little bit uh, or at least becomes one
1: because uh she wrote the finale alongside Marty Eisenberg um and then wrote went on to write seven episodes of Transformers animated total, but she wrote 41 episodes of prime or like, you know, at least was like a part of the writing process of each of those episodes uh, for Transformers prime. So that's really cool. (laughs) And they kind of established sort of a role for her because after writing the finale of season one here in Transformers Animated, it beca- she kind of becomes like an opener and closer. She writes part one of the season yeah. two finale, then writes the iconic opening of season three, which I know we haven't got to. But then she wrote the finale of season three as well. So that, that became kind of for business a little bit
0: interesting yeah kind of the uh uh like you like you said kind of like the the opening uh, opener and closer yeah. uh very uh, uh, very interesting so this uh this episode uh so it, it's it it literally just jumps right in it's like I was trying to figure out a way to transition into the action but there kind of isn't because it's like boom just like right there uh face first into the action and I was Kind of put on my heels a little bit, kind of like, you know, um uh unbalanced by just seeing right off the bat, it's freaking Ironhide. <laughs> Arnhide himself. <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, uh, in in yeah. distress even.
2: Ironhide to Ultra Magnus. We are under attack by Decepticon forces.
1: Very first shot of the whole show, uh right, is just a close up of Ironhide uh yeah it's crazy to see well you know for for all like the the um the circumstance that they give character reveals this one was just
0: boop tune right in just bam like it was it was jarring how uh how how sudden it was um yeah so he is uh sending a distress signal basically they're they're under attack from the decepticons um apparently it's happening behind him like he's oh, yeah. right
1: in the middle of it.
0: You could see it. I, I um I didn't necessarily look closely enough to see if there's little uh, cameos or anything back there. Like I I think it's too staticky or whatever. But I I wonder if there's uh, uh characters getting cut down or something like that. I'm not sure. Uh, but but he says that they've already lost one space bridge and that they need a uh, backup. Uh, So he's, he's pleading to Ultra Magnus to uh, send backup. And the first thing I wondered, you know, as like, you know, I get over the initial shock. It's like, is this the quote unquote urgent matters that Ultra Magnus kept talking about in uh, the previous two episodes? Is this like the, the urgent matters that Sentinel kept talking about that Ultra Magnus was too busy to attend the, the press conference? I thought initially that it was just bureaucratical bullshit, like, oh, you know, uh, you, Ultra Magnus doesn't have time to, to deal with these, these puny humans, and I mean, who, who are basically germs at this point, you know, um, the Magnus doesn't have time to deal with germs in lower life forms, you know, whatever, yeah. but, but it turns out maybe there is something to it the, the whole time. Right. Well, either way, things have gotten
1: bad fast, I think, is the, the take up of this, because right after we talked to Ironhide, Ultra Magnus admits that they've been getting calls like this across the galaxy. Right. Like this is not this is not just an isolated incident. This is happening all over. And and I just wrote like literally what the hell things have gotten so bad, so fast, uh, very rough. And before we get off Ironhide, I just want to voice talk about his voice for a second. He was voiced by Corey Burton which is cool. Oh, Um, cool. Yeah, so we got another voice for Corey Burton who also does uh, Megatron and Ratchet. And I also think that's kind of interesting because I I was thinking about it when I saw that he voiced this character too. Like probably the most powerful kind of heartfelt performances of all of season one um, were from both Megatron and Ratchet. You know yeah megatron had these long soliloquies and you know played isaac sumdak like a fiddle and then you know ratchet has like these great moments with sorry where he admits that you know it, well in the deep hurting episode like really oh let's get into it uh so th- so cory burton's really showing a lot of chops here and i and i don't know if he was just conveniently to have on hand to voice ironhide or if they said hey we really need we got a bot in distress here who's our guy for <laughs> distressed robots yeah, Corey Burton.
0: Well, and and it's interesting because, like, what do you make of this voice? Because it's not, uh, uh, is it too much of a stretch for me to think that this is somewhere in between G one and the movie? Or the live action movie because I don't remember who voices live action Ironhide, but he's he's basically doing a tough guy, dirty hairy riff, which I I've grown to like and and appreciate. It's like oh that it, you can have different iterations of the characters. You can be a hot tempered, um, gun toting, uh, uh, you know, thirst for violence guy, and you can also be a a, a southern fried van, <laughs> um, you know, nice. it's all the, you know, with, with folksy wisdom. Whiz- and stuff, you know kind of cup before cup, you know yeah. Ironhide was always in, in G1 He was always kind of like the the elder statesman type of thing like, you know seeing everything and had just kind of like the this um, you know, just kind of like uh, southern easiness to to him and you For the brief time that we hear Ironhide speak as voiced by Corey Burton, that's the way I took it. It's like he's not doing a Peter Cullen. He's like, every time I look into a monitor, Prime, he's (laughs) nobody's talking about busting Decepta chops. Uh, There's there's no maybe. It's like, hey, Ironhide, are you guys in trouble? Maybe. <laughs> uh, there's, so there, there's none of that, but it's also not as uh, it's a little more vulnerable than a steely, cool, dirty, hairy live action Ironhide. What a uh, what say you?
1: Yeah, I agree. Uh, def- definitely kind of falls in between those two. And I think we can't ever forget that this show is hot on the tails of the live action movie and is supposed to invoke it. And I I think there must have just been some sort of like. You know, I just I really want to be in those like writer rooms where they're talking about like this needs to be just like the new live action stuff, because this is Transformers now. And at the same time, you have all these old school folks that have written for 80s things and probably their Transformers is the 80s Transformers. And somehow they need to kind of mash it together. And I think this is like a really good example of that. Uh, It it is it visually it's the old Ironhide. It's not the movie live action movie Ironhide. Um, and the voice is just kind of in between. There's a little bit of a twang, but not as far as the Peter Cullen one.
0: Right, right. And he's very red, and and he's yes. got the mohawk. So yeah. it's like it, it's yeah, it, it's an interesting choice. And I don't know I, I i would I would like to one of these times really try to like see if we can pull apart the brand synergy that's going on here because like. Like you said, you know, with with TFA being out in summer of 2008, we're uh, we're almost a year away from the first live action movie. And we're about a year before the next live action movie. So it's like it's almost like Hasbro doesn't quite know what they want to do from like a brand synergy standpoint. Like, in a sense, these should almost uh, I mean, I mean, granted, we have 2024 hindsight, but it's like either either do cartoon versions of the 2007 cast or you do the g1 cast and the fact that it does neither is is i mean well that's why we're doing this podcast but like but that's but that's what makes tfa so interesting and it makes it um especially fascinating as like a historical document of like it's like this is what hasbro was doing in 2008 and it and it's Interesting, the choices that they make, like you know, we we already uh, litigated the the uh, throwing in Alita one randomly as as an origin story for Black Arachnia, that kind of weird stuff. It's like, so I don't know if we see Ironhide ever again. It's like maybe this is just like a one and done cameo, but it's it it is also I think it is more impactful that it's a legacy character as opposed to just some nobody. Also, right, right. Kind of yeah, like the Alita One I'd, thing. In yeah, I'd
1: love to, I, right, like you said, I'd love to get in the heads of of where they were at at this time. Mm-hmm. But back in the show, this this is just another, as I said, voicemail clogging up Ultra Magnus' inbox uh, because it's <laughs> just going on all over the galaxy. Um, but it's actually kind of a big kind of plot shakeup because now we're, where we are struggling to prove that Decepticons existed. uh, Now they're coming out of the woodwork all over the galaxy, um, emboldened by the rumors of Megatron's return. Mm -hmm. And this is where we get into some interesting plotting because Sentinel implies that the rumors that came from Optimus. And so, whereas I always thought this would kind of go like once they saw a Decepticon... Or heard about a Decepticon, or had, or had, you know, visual or at least credible evidence of a Decepticon. That that be it. It would it would change the whole tone of Ultra Magnus and Sentinel. Um, but they they go the other route. They're like, we need you to go on a press conference and and deny all this. We need to squash these rumors. And it's really interesting because I can see it from one hand that they need to like stop this, you know, any sort of like fear based retaliation going on in the galaxy. Yeah. But at the same time, like these are the leaders and they're they're asking optimists to now lie.
0: Yeah, well, and, and th- there's so much in the dynamic here. Like, you know, it's even referred to as a Decepticon uprising. And like you said, like, you know, embolden the enemies from, th- from the the rumors. But Sentinel, the flat earther that he is, the, the fucking anti-vaxxer that he yeah. is, he still <laughs> believes that Decepticons aren't real. And I just, I, I mean, like, how far does it go? Like, I, I found myself even... Through this episode, through the entirety of the trajectory of it, and I think they were doing it intentionally, but I found myself incredibly frustrated by by Sentinel being so obstinate, and what I couldn't get a finger on is how much of that... Ultra Magnus believes like, sure, he's getting his, his you know, inboxes overflowing with, um, with these attacks, but like, even in the Ironhide message, you don't actually see a Decepticon. So right. it's Ultra Magnus and, and kind of the, uh, Autobot elite guard. Like, again, I feel like, and again, I don't remember what IDW comics was doing at this time, but this feels like, um, shades of the apathetic Senate as well, you know, and it's like, this is kind of like a precursor to more postmodern storytelling where like the Autobots are not necessarily always the good guys that they're, that they're supposed to be like, you know, when the, when the world gets a little more gray and a little less black and white, and suddenly Megatron isn't the villain that we think he is. He's a, you know, sympathetic character and all of that other stuff, but I feel like this is kind of like a precursor to that in a way because yeah. they're being the government and kind of trying to control the flow of information and you know not wanting a panic but it's more it, It's more than that because like th- this whole dialogue between Optimus and Sentinel and Ultra Magnus where they're talking about uh, Optimus says something to the effect of like, you know, he feels like that information should be out there and or, or he should tell his side and Magnus says something like
2: more like an opportunity to set the record straight. If word gets out that Megatron is still online and the AllSpark is destroyed. It will create panic among our fellow Autobots and embolden the enemy.
0: You'll get your chance at the inquiry. And yeah. Optimus sniffs this out. He's like, you mean court-martial, basically. And, like, so I, I just, I don't, uh, I don't entirely understand the the power structure of the Autobot High Command. Could it be that they are... On shaky ground with a a tenuous grip of uh, of power on Cybertron, maybe like even the rumors of Megatron returning is is enough to upset the apple cart that much. It's it it's we start off this episode from an incredibly fascinating, uh, story rich uh, perspective.
1: Right, right. Or or is it just that Ultra Magnus? Uh, he's been upper management so long he doesn't want to get his hands dirty. Right. Like it's not about stopping the actual problem. It's how do we spin this?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, he, he read his own book too many times. You can deal with this (laughs) or or how to deal with this. And it's all just about like apathy and sweeping it under, under the rug. Cause I mean, you know, remember our characterization of of Ultra Magnus in this context. You know, he's you know, he's the high father, you know, he he's Odin. And with that becomes yeah. A apathy and detachment. So there, even like when he's listening to Ironhide beg for reinforcements, there there is kind of a a lack of concern uh, from from Ultramagnus. And and like like you were saying, it's like it, it seems more we're interested in not causing a panic and of uh, uh, suppressing the the flow of information. Yeah.
1: Yeah, unfortunately, that was a little too real, especially through today's lens. I, I tell uh, you
0: what, man, th- this um, this journey that we've been on, and there's been a couple times where it's like it's actually like activated stuff in me where I'm just like, I shouldn't be feeling all of this stuff discussing a cartoon <laughs> from 2008. But seriously, um, but, but it does remind me though, it's like, you know, what was happening in 2008? Why, why was this episode called mission accomplished? You know, it's like, you know, if we're not take taking swipes at the George W. Bush era, then, uh, then what are we doing? And so, and it's, and the, 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 the terrifying thing about history is that it's cyclical and it, and it does repeat and it is terrifying where our world is today here in 2024 when refracted through the prism of what was going on in 2008.
1: Yeah, that that's scary. Okay. Let's stop that. Yep. (laughs) No, (laughs) forget it. Uh, Back to the show. I mean, whatever his motivations may be, uh, ultra Magnus orders Optimus and his crew back to Cybertron for the inquiry court martial, whatever you want to call it. Um, of course, Optimus wants to stay, but ultra Magnus, uh, doesn't believe the Decepticons on, earth are a problem i mean if he doesn't believe it's a problem anywhere in the galaxy he certainly doesn't believe it's a problem on earth so he's not going for it he tells them to to pack their things uh, <laughs>
0: grab your torches it's... head back to camp <laughs> <laughs> exactly
1: uh you know at the very least they want they maybe they want him to play uh pr do a little pr work and uh lie about megatron's return but anyway so so that lot is cast um and and poor sorry Uh, As if she hasn't been through enough. Now she's we didn't even think she had anything left to lose. Now she's losing her only friend's family, I guess, at this point Mm -hmm. Um, as the Autobots gear up for their departure.
0: Yeah. And this this scene is especially heartbreaking because, like, we've seen something like this before when it was um uh, prior to the finale where it's like okay we need we need to get the allspark off of the earth and that's the only way to keep the decepticons from getting it and it's like and it's played for a joke it's like oh well you know sorry we'll take it pretty well smash cut to sorry not taking it uh, famously, not very well. This is different. This has a very different tone. She's not cartoonishly crying. She she's she's just defeated. First, I lose my dad.
2: I know you guys.
0: I'm afraid orders are orders.
2: Well, they're stupid orders.
0: And. Yeah. But I would also say, though, there is there, a a wisdom, I guess, or, or a knowingness in the performance as well, because like even like Optimus is like, you know, orders are orders. But like, sorry, seems to understand in a way that she didn't previously like she's devastated, yeah. obviously. But but there is a a a jaded knowingness like like this isn't her first dance with potentially losing her friends, which makes it all the more heartbreaking
1: yeah yeah she's she's definitely aging uh rapidly you know she's she's wise behind her eight years now at this point uh for better or worse so and then there's this great scene between sentinel and Optimus. it's a real roller, roller coaster back and forth uh Ooh. i think this is one thing this episode does really well it balances action with uh these great like character moments and this is definitely one of them this conversation where where sentinel is trying to Pitch it that he's doing a favor for Optimus to repay him for the headmaster incident, but but in that same breath, uh, he pretty much you know puts him under protective custody. I mean, he's he's basically putting him under arrest uh, up until the launch time. But it, it's such a weird scene because it just goes from them like almost being buddies again, where we saw them at the end of the last episode, to to antagonists to each other, to kind of back again. Um, it's really great scene between the two of them.
0: Well, and then there's some uncomfortable. Uh, conscription talk here too, because it's like the the other bots are like, hey man, we're just like you know uh, uh you know repair bots and Sentinels like as of now you're all vital components in the war against the Decepticons. No, you're soldiers now, and it's like um now uh being repair bots, we need you guys on the front lines repairing those space bridges now more than ever. It's gone from being grunt work to being essential important work and i think that's that that's interesting from a couple different perspectives but it's kind of like yeah you guys used to be the dregs but now we actually need you and you don't have a choice because you're part of the military now that's uh, uh again frightening stuff from from a certain point of view
1: yeah and as serious as this scene is uh i did sort of get big tom hanks in the burbs energy yeah. off of sentinel because he can't really put optimus under arrest he can only put him under protective custody at best protective cu- custody in big quotes yeah yeah uh <laughs> but it totally reminded me of the scene in the burbs with the uh, citizen's arrest when tom hanks tries to arrest his neighbor <laughs>
0: Oh, 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 oh. It's it's about
1: citizens' arrest. Oh, Don't start with me, Carol. <laughs> <laughs> that, oh, that, is, uh, that is Sentinel in a in a nutshell, really.
0: Well, and and you even get a thing here where, and and it ends up, you know, it's been a while since we've evoked the perspective of nothing is wasted and everything comes back around. You're introduced to the concept of the, um, uh, what are these Energon cuffs called? Like stasis cuffs. cuffs. That's what I was going to say stasis binders, but um, which is probably just as cool too. But like that, that's a, That's a thing that 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 continues throughout this episode, but it's like more or less like don't make me use the cuffs on you. He seems yeah. all too eager. Sentinel does to uh, to get these uh, stasis cuffs on on Optimus, and and again earlier in in the scene, it's like this whole continuing the legislation about like Optimus is like, well, not only do you want me to lie about what's happening, but you want me to take the fall also. You know, it's like the, the, he's he's. Optimus sees that he's really being set up to be the patsy for all of this which again is is terrifying yeah
1: yeah absolutely so while all this is happening we cut to a garbage skiff floating down the (laughs) river and who should burst out of it like he just woke up Mr. Starscream Esquire the (laughs) third busts out of this garbage Uh, he's intact and wouldn't you know it he's pissed at Megatron it's his very first waking thought Uh, he's mad at Megatron
2: yeah strike me, Megatron. After all, my loyal stellar cycles of—wait, Wait. Where is everybody?
0: yeah, I, I I just love it and and again, spoilers alerts for the rest of the episode. I love that this uh this uh ongoing motif of him just springing up, guns at the ready. Yeah, you know, he's just like, wait, how did I get here? What what is happening? And he's like, oh, well, revenge. Yeah,
1: (laughs) yeah. It's Um, like,
0: at first, he doesn't give any consideration to his situation. He only wants revenge. Right,
1: right, absolutely. It's a very it's a very interesting driving point for this version of Starscream. Uh, but in again, in, in the theme of Nothing is Wasted, uh, he he makes a point to say he detects no Decepticon signatures and he takes to the sky in a fit of angsty rage uh, because of this. And uh, even meanwhile, though, we get our answer right away because Lugnut and Blitzwing are back at the makeshift Decepticon layer, expounding the virtues of the new signal dampeners uh, designed yep. by Isaac Sumdak. And this is interesting because... Isaac Sumdac did the thing that he was supposed to do. I I I guess I wanted a little bit, you know, spoiler alert this doesn't happen, but I was as I was watching the show the episode a second time, uh I wanted this signal dampener that Isaac Sumdac designed to fail, maybe like a timeout, like yeah. It works for a little bit and then it doesn't work um and reveals their presence, but nope, he made a perfect uh spy tool for the decepticons apparently it
0: it works very well and it's interesting how complimentary uh, Megatron is like at this point. I feel like he's there's a little less menace, and he's almost treating Isaac Sumdac like a beloved pet. He's like, oh, you know, complimenting. He's like, you know, great job on your new project. He's like, now, now I need you to do something else. Now I need you to make a subspace communicator that
2: will allow me to contact my Decepticon forces at the rim of the galaxy.
0: Uh, again, I think that. Oh man, we talk about conflicting management styles. Is animated Megatron secretly a good manager? because like he's (laughs) empowering uh he he sees skills in isaac sumdak that he himself doesn't even see and like you know uh 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 nurtures that and you know and uh i mean granted forcefully but still it's like oh yeah no you could totally make a subspace communicator because i i need to talk to uh the decepticons and you know uh, yeah you know these these random acts of sabotage and whatnot this very interesting dynamics here
1: yeah well this whole scene is fascinating to me um because on the eve of some finally coming through and designing something that disguises the decepticons their whole goal stay hidden build this thing for us to mask our signatures on the eve of that megatron now wants the opposite he wants to make it known that he's back he's he's sort of like giving into that oh there's What else do people like about me you know people (laughs) people are uh rising up in the galaxy and he wants to get his voice out there so now right after being like hey can you design something that keeps me super super quiet he's like boy can you just uh yell my name into the galaxy um and then i also think it's fascinating because isaac sumdak says you know subspace communication would require some form of tachyon energy no earth scientist has gotten past the development stage yet And Megatron coming off of all this praising that he did of Isaac Sumdak in the same breath insults human scientists. He's like,
2: then it's fortunate we do not have to rely on the feeble achievements of mere humans, isn't it?
1: You know, the germs that are human scientists, we can go uh, take what we need from the elite guard before they leave town. Yeah. What a what a roller coaster! Right after a roller coaster,
0: absolutely. I mean, th- this this episode is is um, uh, kind of intense, but yeah, like so. the The tension is immediately subverted because we go back to the base and we realize that if the Autobots need to leave, well, now that thanks to Porter C. Powell and his machinations, Sorry is now homeless. So. Yeah. We we can't just we can't just leave her. So you know we get we got to make sure that, that she's taken care of. But who who could take care of uh, of their little human friend? Oh,
1: I can't think of anybody except for Captain Fanzone. Apparently,
0: <laughs> smash cut to outside his uh, his stoop, his apartment or or brownstone or whatever it is, wearing this robe. <laughs> It's like, what what is happening? (laughs) Right.
1: Right. I would have loved if there would have been like a little embroidered, like the Ghostbuster No logo over the word machines or like maybe in like a beautiful cursive. Like this is why I hate machines. (laughs) Something like that would have been a nice little touch.
0: I I love this entire dialogue because it's. it's, it's one of those things where it's like you almost have to listen to it carefully for for how deft the wordplay is. So Captain Fanzo is like it's like hey why me? But Bumblebee full of cheer is says uh you're tops are on the list of all the humans we know personally. Um, <laughs> And that's all it is. It's, he's at the top of the list of humans that they know. And right. uh, you know, Bullcat interjects and says, you know, it's 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 a short list. And uh Prow gets in on the action as well. And <laughs> yeah. I love, I love, I love, I love that that we get name drops for like the, the two baddest human supervillains, uh, Prometheus Black and and Nanosec, but uh Bumblebee here with with the um gigantic thumbs up with with like the glint on it and everything um but still
2: you're number 1
0: man what so much fun i i would yeah I would like to see like a third-party upgrade kit for the new uh, animated Bumblebee figure, where it's just literally like a giant, like a double-sized thumb, where it's just like, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's like because like I happen to be looking at the the screen grab of it now, and it's just like it's pronounced and it's big and it's a, uh, it, it is just hilarious. And um, it kind of reminds me, we haven't talked about this for a while, but what happened to Mrs. Fanzone? Is there a Mrs. Fanzone? Because uh,
1: the mystery continues, right? Because we don't see her. Nope. We just just see Fanzone outside of his bachelor pad. It's a very much, you can't even come in here. Yeah, right? (laughs) (laughs) So, but funny as the scene is, I do think it's very sweet that. This is the number one priority of the Autobots before they go is finding someone to take care of Sari. This this could have smash cut to a billion other different scenes and iterations, but they're like, I love that they're like, we have to take care of Sari because yeah, she's going to be completely homeless, friendless, familyless now that uh, they're leaving. Mm-hmm. So on board the Elite Guard ship, cut across town, uh, Sentinel continues bickering with Optimus about the lies he's going to tell at his public appearance that. A to reiterate, if it wasn't clear enough, there are no Decepticons on Earth, and definitely not Megatron. If that's what you're thinking, uh, they're they're really beating this home. They're they're really doing something creepy, which is like trying to get they're trying to convince uh, Optimus of it, right? Like, yeah. like I feel like they keep bringing this up because they're like trying to incept him, that this is his idea.
0: Well, and, and it's the thing also where it's like some serious gaslighting here where it's like, uh, no, 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 you're, you're not going to lie. You're you're just going to confirm the scans. And the scans say that there's no Decepticons. Ergo, no Decepticons. There's nothing to lie about. Yeah. All you got to say is what the scans already have. Just disgusting. Uh, but it has... And-
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly.
0: Uh, As as this
1: conversation is taking place... uh, Literally! (laughs) Love, love these cuts. uh, Blitzwing and Lugnut appear right under the ship, like literally right under their noses uh,
0: to steal the tachyon transmitter.
1: And they disappear just as quickly, so I guess the dampeners are working.
0: Presumably because they they are indeed victorious in their mission. Uh, Mission accomplished, the uh, title of the episode.
1: Yeah, I, I had a little... I really like this scene. I really think it's cool. I like the scene when the two jets launch out of the hole in the ground. This animation was used a couple of times in this episode. This, like, going, like, the cameras following them down this cavern. I thought it was a really cool animation style. But I wasn't really sure why they did it. I guess I originally thought, because they popped out of the ground to start. I thought they were jumping back in the hole to just go back the way they came, but they almost used it as like a runway to like get a bigger launch up and out. But I yeah. couldn't figure out, did I miss something? Was there some reason they jumped in the hole first to get to take off?
0: I guess I didn't, I didn't watch it that closely. I, I guess, um, in show it's, it's probably just to get, uh, another bit of sweet animation in cause it, it looks cool. Like I, yeah, I it's super. I, cool. Yeah, I, I love a good uh runway jet takeoff type of sequence. And so I would imagine it's because this animation no doubt will be recycled. Um because like some of oh. like the more better iconic ones, they're probably gonna use versions of this shot again, I would guess. But yeah, I think unfortunately in this case, it's probably just because it looks cool. I can't think of a a practical um application for it. Keeping in mind the 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 geography of the cave is still a little unclear also. Like in terms of like where they're coming from, where they're going and how everything relates to, to each other in space.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, either way it was a cool scene, and it adds a little bit of like physics to the world, right? Like this sort of like they needed they needed to get a little boost, they need a little runway to take off. There was something very real and visceral about that. Yeah. It also it also uh presented an opportunity for Starscream to watch them take off from behind a a floating billboard straight out of Blade Runner is what I wrote <laughs> down. Like there's something yeah. very like futuristic about it. Uh, so he's like, I love this like Starscream that's just hanging on like this floating blimp, like what are they doing?
0: Yeah. Yeah, and it's interesting because like, as uh, I mean, it'll be kind of an- asked and answered in, in due course very quickly here. But in my first time watcher brain, I don't know what Starscream's deal is. You know, is he a ghost? Um, can people see him? Can he interact with others? You know, so there I I delighted in having that uncertainty at this point in the story. Not not knowing exactly, and and that's a thing that even kind of continues up until this uh uh this reveal coming up because even like like when they're back at the cave and um it's you know uh Blitzwing and Lugnut have returned they have the, the they, they've got the unobtainium that they need to to power the the carbandium synthesizer or whatever they 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 need but like the way that Starscream slow rolls to them it's almost like um, you would think if they could see him that they would have seen him prior to that. Like it's not until he's right up on them and interacting with them do they see that it's actually Starscream. So I thought, again, for, for my first time viewer brain that it's like, you know, is is Starscream an intangible ghost? Um, you know, what what is this? And and in my brain, I was like, Is Starscream going to be surprised by this? Like, you know. Why can't they see me? Can they not see me? That that kind of thing. And, you know, obviously yeah. it goes a completely different way, but it, it was, I, I wanted to share that from just from like my first time, one first time viewer, but then to G1 or like, you know, knowing what the ghost of Starscream is. You know, that that kind of thing.
1: Yeah, well, I was going to say it's really smart that they played off that because uh, they're, they're playing off a couple things, right? They're playing off of, of the Starscream's ghost story that's been done at this point in in the 80s series and in Beast Wars. Uh, so, so it's kind of – they're having a little bit of fun. Like this could easily be another – a notch in your G one score, uh, you know, an Easter egg for the '80s series, but yeah. they're playing off of it. And he he even when he finally does reveal himself, he says, "Are you expecting a ghost?" Like it's like they they know the kind of fun they're having. What's the matter? You look like you've seen a ghost. I cackled at that, by the way. <laughs>
2: yeah, it's cackled. Great.
1: And they started it too with you know the hand bursting out of the ground type of a thing. Like th- Like there's a motif of like, hey, he's dead. And we're right on, you know, we're we're ten years out probably from the the reveal of the sixth sense, too. So so we're all expecting it. And then they subvert the expectations.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I
1: love it. I love it. It's all in there. But yeah, uh, as we've been saying, you know, uh, Starscream follows him back to the underground cavern and uh clocks right back in at his number one full-time job antagonizing Megatron. Uh <laughs> good to see him back at work. Um they duke it out and it's a cool scene this is where shit gets pretty real if i may because they yeah. duke it out megatron puts him down with a huge like anime kill shot with this great line by the way you can't you couldn't lead a parade uh love it and i love the delivery of it when i
2: was a young boy my father took me into the city to see a marching band
0: yeah, it, it's it's great, and it kind of harkens back to G one a little bit, like when in the pilot episode, you know, Starscream decides to, uh, Starscream tries to take a poke at uh at Megatron, and he j- he just like shoots him or something like that, and the the line here, and it's actually one of my favorite. Uh, Transformers lines um, he starts by saying that um, so Starscream rolls up to him and he's like you know man we need we need action not words let's let's go you know uh, you know take the energy from this rocket base or whatever um, you know I, I should be in charge and Megatron shines him on he's like you couldn't lead ant droids to a picnic um, what a what makes you think you could lead the Decepticons and Megatron Megatron, G1 Megatron gives this line here that I will never forget. It's one of my favorite lines. He's like,
2: Power flows to the one who knows how. Desire alone is not enough.
0: Whoa. And I I always like that. I mean, and this is from like episode one of uh, uh of G1. Um so it 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 puts off the the difference in style from Megatron and Starscream. So I like when he says you couldn't even lead a parade when I was
2: a young boy.
0: I feel like that really evokes the spirit of of that exchange from the G1 episode, even if it's not line for line. Like, you could say things that are similar, that remind you of the old thing, without actually having to do the thing. Because if he had said,
2: You couldn't lead androids to a picnic. How can you pretend to lead the Decentricites?
0: In 2008, that's pretty silly. If if this version of Megatron said that, it's very silly. But you know, you you couldn't lead up a parade. he cuts this dude down with his sword um it's it's yeah. metal as fuck it's great and i love that like his sword is just sitting there casually and he just casually grabs it and goes for this uh this kill strike here i i love an idea that he has like a master sword just sitting around right <laughs> right know, well, just... just posing
1: with it and whatnot yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly and from here, this kind of kicks off what I think is both the, the darkest and most hilarious recurring jokes I've ever seen in a, in a Transformers uh, show. Again, a show for children. But basically, like, he he tells his goons, he's like, yeah, man, just throw him off the side and make sure he's offline uh, this time. And we see this this motif again and again and again, where where they're just where they're just chucking him off the side. And it's like, how dark is that? It's like you're literally throwing his lifeless body off the cliff and it's shown that he is killed. Again and again and again. Right. Um. That right. that is. Th-
1: they make a point. Th- this is why this scene's so dark. Is they make a point to be like that was a killing blow. Starscream is dead. Lugnut checks his body, sees that his spark chamber is embered. That that's just like being like, yep, he doesn't have a heart anymore. Or yep, we saw his soul leave his body. Like this, like Starscream is
0: dead. So
1: yeah. They...
0: Like actually dead.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So they throw him over the edge. Uh into the into the river and uh the body lies in the river a moment we get just a second to maybe think oh my gosh is he actually dead uh and then he comes back online you know we sort of get a sound that's almost like a like a dial-up internet
0: (laughs) yeah yeah a little bit a little bit prepare
2: to face the wrath of what am i doing down here
1: (laughs) and he he pops up um and he but it's a, this is a fucked up scene. Pardon my French. He looks down and sees his spark chamber is empty. Can you imagine like the human equivalent of this? Like, it's like, it, it it really reminded me of like a war scene where like someone looks down and they see themselves bleeding out or like a gaping hole in their chest or something. Um, and he just, he's just like, Oh, yep. I guess I'm dead. I guess maybe that's just like the transformer lifestyle, right? Like you're made of metal and parts and robotics, uh, that kind of stuff happens.
0: Well, and, and he seems to have a very casual relationship with his own mortality. Now, Maybe, maybe it's him coping, but like, he even says here, he's like shrug, maybe I really am a ghost, you know, that kind of thing. It's like, so he, he doesn't, he doesn't really process his situation in the way the rest of us have, you know? Right. And, and even to the effect of like, I mean, I think this is, the first time but like as the as this montage goes on which again i really love it i i love this recurring joke but because it's in montage there really isn't a moment of um wow starscream how are you back again they don't seem to care megatron doesn't seem to care you know he 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 doesn't care why Starscream is back from the dead again and again. He just wants to finish him off again and again. <laughs> All right, and and you get this this again this uh, this recurring joke of him of uh Lugnut and blitzwing just throwing his lifeless body down the same ravine into the same river and, yeah. and he and he pops back up guns blazing it reminds me it, it's it, it's a couple few things but one the first thing i thought of uh specifically with starscream popping up with his guns out it's it kind of gives me some uh, uh live die repeat edge of tomorrow things five yes i said groundhog's
1: he, day but yes yeah, same diff
0: Oh, same different. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, and it's like, there's, there's a part that like, how much of, how much does he retain?
1: Oh yeah. Right. Well, let's, let's back up for just a second here. So we got, we got a couple things we got to talk about here. So sure, please. So, so the first time he wakes up at the bottom of this ravine, he posits that something else must be keeping him online. Uh, but sure enough, after taking a Zoolander esque gaze into the river, he sees a fragment of the all spark wedged in his head. Uh, and he's actually and then it goes right from being like how fucked up it is that Megatron succeeded in c- killing Starstream to he's super stoked that he's uh, immortal now and and mm-hmm. gets to go after Megatron so hard and this montage is super cool super brilliant because it's all taking place in the speech that Megatron is uh, sending out to the galaxy using the tachyon transmitter. So oh, the whole right. time you're getting this voice over of this, you know, spooky, uh, dictator, like speech from Megatron uh, with, with this montage of Starscream, like trying to kill him again and again, and just dying again and again. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, and it's great. I mean, uh, he, you actually see him die three more times. Uh, I counted and there's there's a cool sword fight there's this really beautiful shot i wanted to talk about uh is the last one where megatron's standing on like a cliff edge looking up at the full moon over new detroit yeah yeah Starscream sneaks up with a grenade and chucks it at him and you know megatron does the like the no look catch behind his head and just chucks it back and i loved it the whole thing was just so well done
0: yeah everything is great and 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 it's interesting because you know we've talked about like different dynamics and you know, I I had mentioned that animated Megatron gets to do what no other Megatron has done and actually kill Starscream. Now totally. he gets to do it again and again. Imagine <laughs> the delight of G one Megatron being able to do that to his Starscream over and over like that. So, it's and, and you know, I I had um I had mentioned something earlier about retention because like I think Starscream has to retain something. So it's. It, it 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 has to be a Groundhog Day, uh, Edge of Tomorrow situation because at at a certain point he has the self awareness to be like maybe I need a different approach because he he realizes that going after Megatron mono and mono time after time just is not working.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I also wanted to say, Mike, because uh, it's one of our favorite lines when when the megatron's message goes out to the galaxy i couldn't help but think the dead speak somehow palpatine returned oh my uh, gosh
0: yes <laughs> so
1: i know we cherish that uh little bit of uh the crawl from rise of skywalker
0: yeah yeah the rise of the skywalker yeah. <laughs> the dead speak exclamation point you know it's it's been a while since i've, I've dropped that on folks casual. i was just like i remember at the time being like Obnoxious! I'm like the dead speak. (laughs) Just literally, just like, oh, Oh, well done, great, thanks, buddy. Uh, You bet. So it's so Starscream says that he uh needs another approach and he looks at the this like uh, garbage truck, tow truck, some kind of truck, but the truck has a uh fragment of the Allspark in it, a larger one than the one that he uh discovers in his head. And uh that's where we uh we cut back to the elite guard back on uh their ship. Right, right. They've detected
1: uh, an all-spark energy flux, which uh, Ultra Magnus just pounces all over. Uh, he and Jazz, basically, there's a quick conjecture about it, and then he and Jazz transform and roll out. Uh, Literally, set- no. you yeah. get
0: an Ultra Magnus transform and roll out, which I was particularly happy about. Yeah, I
1: do like that. Transform and roll out. Uh, Meanwhile, Sentinels lamenting that he's stuck babysitting Optimus, the insubordinates. Uh, Good. I do. I do like this because finally we're seeing some payoff for Jazz, who's clearly the more capable agent here. Uh, You know, Sentinels just screwed up too many times. He's like, I'm taking Jazz. (laughs) I pick Jazz. Uh, uh, Jazz. (laughs) Always Jazz. (laughs) Right. Uh, But Optimus, uh, ever the detective, looks at the situation and sees that the shard is embedded in a speeding bullet train. Something's not right. Uh, they haven't been able to detect these ch- shards before. Only Sari's key can do that. So why are they detecting it now? Why is it just out for everyone to detect? Uh, it's almost like uh, it wants to be detected. So Optimus does this like, this reminded me of the movie Nope. He scans a nearby cloud and he finds Starscream in stealth mode. And it reminded me of like a nope when they're like, that cloud hasn't moved. Right. Yeah. So they they find out it's Starscream in stealth mode. Uh, and and a cool badass Optimus does this cool thing where he pisses off Sentinel just enough that the OAF basically stasis cuffs himself. Yep. Uh, and Optimus just like, well, you did it to yourself. Bye, buddy. And rolls out stop Ultra Magnus from making quote unquote a deadly mistake. Absolutely.
0: Well and it and it underscores here, you know, I had mentioned up top that there there were aspects that I found myself frustrated at. There is a there is a point where stealth mode starscream is on the screen behind <laughs> Sentinel's head. And he's still talking about like, you know, you're full of shit, Optimus. There's no Decepticons. How many times do I have to tell you there are no Decepticons? And it's like I I, I can't. I, prior to 2020, I wouldn't have believed that a person could be so willfully ignorant. But that's that is not the world that we live in today. In 2024, but like, that's I I I was I was getting very annoyed and furious by like by Sentinels. Just like it's like d- turn around. He's on the screen. Yeah, literally right there to be seen.
1: Yeah, that even, definitely even was still, not, it, Yeah, definitely was not an animation flub. Uh, that was like. Look at this blind idiot that can't see what's happening right in front of him. Right. Yeah, love that. Love that little nod. Uh, then cut we cut to... to a great scene. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. I love everything about this scene. We cut to a playground across town, yeah. where Sari. <laughs> Let me set the stage a little bit. Sari and Fanzone are sitting on a swing set together, and Sari is talking the logistics of of what it would be like for her to be taken care of you know uh you know where am i gonna sleep what am i gonna eat uh and apparently the breaking point is when she brings up her allowance
2: oh yeah and we should talk about my allowance because i'm gonna need a big
1: one because that's when the swing set breaks and fan zone just crumples to the ground uh hilarious
0: this seems hilarious it's it's great you know and and we get a couple sorry tropes here you know she's like talking about like bedtimes she's like i'm not a fan of that and (laughs) uh you you get like you said you you get the the allowance legislation and he's like this is why i hate kids yes. <laughs> well sorry, sorry's
1: a businesswoman now right she's ran a company for a little bit she's in right. she's uh engaging in negotiations with her her new guardian here apparently I I just think it's uh it's so interesting that fanzone went in for this at all the fact that he's sitting on a swing set listening to this eight-year-old girl tell her what she wants to be taken care of like it cracks me up it cracks me up that he's even in this he's let himself get in this situation at all
0: yeah to even entertain the notion because he doesn't he doesn't owe anybody anything and <laughs> not not to put too fine a point on it but like doesn't he have work doesn't he have a job it's
1: yeah. This world I, I, where I never thought I'd see him sitting on the swing set, but it have sort of add something like cute to his character or like, I'm, I, yeah. I'm a little more charmed by fan now that he's like willing to entertain this and, and even sit with this
0: girl on the swing set softens him up a little bit for sure.
1: Absolutely. And there's something very like Dennis the menace and Mr. Wilson about this too.
0: A little bit.
1: I really got that vibe
0: from it. And, and I kind of like how this, this scene kind of, ends and and plays out because like there there's this whole dialogue about like oh man we need to go we need to go to this bullet train we need to help out you know uh ultra magnus and jazz are are uh walking into a trap we have to you know we we have to help them out and all that but there's uh something to the effect here i forget who says it but it's like doing what's right is more important oh yeah that, yeah, that, that got, who has that i don't remember i i wrote it down without attribution <laughs> okay. well the the
1: the the point is the same it's it's a good sentiment uh i also want to say too this is this is where i busted the biggest gut at this scene is that like this whole like playground scene is panning out and and the autobots are just standing there watching it like creeps you know,
0: like they're just yes. and they're like, like do it, do the thing, be the good parent, play with her. And uh, Fanzone reluctantly goes along with the Autobots, and it's something to the effect of like, but I am not gonna let them wreck my city again.
1: Yeah, yeah, and that actually fits. That that's something we saw a couple episodes ago. Now that that he's really worried about their destruction and what they've done,
0: and from there you know we we uh, cut across town and into the the last act of this episode and this is this is all action all the time and it just doesn't let up i really enjoy this in, it, this entire sequence as 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 it plays out
1: yeah yeah there we're we cut to outside of town and apparently way outside it's like they're in a desert or something yeah. Uh, so we see the speeding bullet train and it's uh it comes clear the original mark for the trap uh detects the allspark fragment. Um high above Starscream watches and waits but not higher than Megatron who truly sees all in classic Megatron fashion. Yep,
2: yep. Um
1: and he and what he sees in this moment is uh all the Autobots cruising alongside the train. And this is what I love about this Megatron. We've talked about this before but um that should have been pretty clear that it was the elite guard setting the trap. I mean, A, to see that it was a trap is very smart, but B, then he ignores the evidence that the Autobots are right there and he remembers like, hasn't somebody else been trying to kill prank me all day? Like <laughs> Right. He's like, Wait a second. Yeah. So there's <laughs> a curse here and he just peels them all back in an instant. He gets what's happening immediately.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Animated Megatron is no dum dum. He no. is he is a tactical genius and he is lethal as he is capable again. I yeah. love this guy. Love yeah. This guy. I think
1: it, I think it uh, really goes, uh, you know, gives credit to the writers for not even letting him fall for this for a second. He, he figures it out right away. Uh, so jazz and uh, ultra magnus transform. They're on the train. They see the fragment. They're trying to get it out. Um, jazz tries his laser chucks on the fragment. It doesn't budge. Um, and in in steps Grandpa Magnus uh, about to tee off with his driver. A little bit of overkill, maybe. Um, He takes a whack at it, uh, and it doesn't work. I really think this is a great use of the hammer. Well, it's not a great use of the hammer, but it's a great use visually of the hammer because they've already set up that it's so powerful, and then it doesn't work on this fragment of the AllSpark. It's like, oh, holy shit, that should have worked. We're all expecting it to work.
0: Well, and we haven't seen him thus far use it as a hammer he's used it as a a connection to like you know uh again he's stormed from the x-men he, he's like you know call down the lightning <laughs> yeah exactly you know, free this fragment from this train <laughs> <laughs> wind and lightning i beseech right. c- <laughs> thee you know it's and when again, that doesn't not- work for yeah, you know? <laughs> <It's> just... <laughs> and, and like you said, it immediately doesn't work, and it underscores that, like you know, w- we don't know the mystical properties of this Magnus Hammer, but we know that it uh it doesn't work here. Right, right. Jazz, hand me my nine iron. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So this, while this is all unfolding, we're watching kind of Starscream uh, drooling from up on high, excited that all his enemies are about to kill each other. Like he's seeing all these kind of, he thinks he's still moving the chess pieces and he's watching them all come into place. He's rigged yeah. this train uh, to explode. he's set the trap. The Autobots are here. Megatron's here. He's, he's having a hate it. He's like, finally, this one's going to work.
0: Yeah, he is. He's, he's just salivating. He's like, this day just keeps getting better and better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: So, so yeah, like the, our, our Autobots, our gang that we're introduced to are back on the scene uh, the, in this awesome move. Bumblebee launches off the freeway interchange, flip transforms, yeah. uh, setting down his passenger. Sorry. Right on top of the fragment. Like it's this very quick, like doom, doom, doom. And she's right where she needs to be. Um, she tries her key on it. And the key does light up and starts pulling it out, pulling out the fragment, kind of like Luke's lightsaber in the beginning of Empire Strikes Back. There's just like a little wiggle of the fragments as if the force is working. Yeah. Um, And then Prowl comes in and the question is, can I hack the rest of this train off? And the answer is, sure, I can. So he's he I just couldn't help. It, so. Oh, it's good. It's good. Uh, he slices the, the passenger portion of the train. So we still have an exploding train we got to worry about, but at least the humans are safe. Uh, and then they bring the train to this nail biting halt. Uh, everyone is involved. Uh, you know, every, every, you know, bulkheads back there. Everyone's pulling on this train to get it to stop. Uh, and they do. It's very harrowing, but they do seize the fragment, and uh, Optimus turns it over to Ultra Magnus, who is just pissed that, that Optimus is there. Right? Like, what what is wrong with this guy? He's just he, he finally he gets the thing. Optimus helps him. He's just like, oh, what are you doing here?
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh, and and I and I want to go back just a, a half a step also because like you get um uh, so bumblebee even calls it out when he jumps off the train he's like now that's what i call teamwork and and this is terrific leadership on optimus's part i think like one of my favorite things of this optimus because i mean i've spent more time with him it's like the way that he gives orders the way he's just like you know uh bumblebee and sorry you you get up on the the train use the key Prowl, uh save the people hey uh um you know Go ahead you and you and ratchet go over here and 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 stop the train it's like and it he's a great leader in that like he knows everybody's strengths and how to utilize them and to give his people the right motivation he's a again he's a he's a terrific leader and I I love how we end on this uh, reaction from fan Zone because he's just like <laughs> <laughs> and nothing got blown up. <laughs> That's a first, <laughs> you know that kind yeah. of thing. So, was, so kind of, kind of cool there. But then, yeah, like, like you said, we're 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 back to this thing where, like, I I'm I'm just like writing in all caps. It's just like, what are you doing here, Optimus Prime? and like uh where are the decepticons and It's like again ultra magnus does not believe optimus prime at this point and it, and it is so frustrating and aggravating uh as uh at being in the audience watching that
1: yeah yeah actually and i just really want to quickly go back to what you're saying about optimus giving orders does yeah. this ending not give you such big vibes of the end of the first Avengers movie or oh like God, Captain yes. America is yeah, like when you, you j- up on the thing and like, you know, telling him all exactly where to go doing what he does best. And then you have Optimus is doing the same thing. He's wearing the red, white, and blue. yeah, uh, And then to the effect of like getting a little bit ahead here, uh, You know, then when they finally do catch Starscream, they bolt his mouth up just like uh, Loki. Yeah. like There was such... I was just like, this is just like shot for shot, uh, the Avengers movie. And this is coming off too earlier in season one when we have that uh, Bumblebee scene when he does the whole like uh, Iron Man taking the nuke up to the wormhole scene. It's just like, how many people were watching this before they made Avengers?
0: Yeah, I I don't want to say... Uh, Joss Whedon was a was a TFA watcher, but I'm pretty sure he watched TFA. Yeah, I'll
1: pretty say it. Let's just pretty sure. Out there. <laughs> pretty sure we can say Joss Whedon stuff. Uh, no one's gonna come after us. <laughs>
0: uh, yeah,
1: yeah, uh, we're fine.
0: Uh, now. Notorious asshole, uh, uh, Joss Whedon. Sure. Hey, that guy whoa, whoa, hey, whoa, hey. <laughs> um, so this day could not get any worse. It goes from like it can't get any better for Starscream. To it can't get any worse. Uh, for uh, for Optimus and the uh, the Autobots. Yeah. So you have
1: Ultra Magnus, and he's sitting there. You know, where are the Decepticons? And and uh, then we have one falling from the sky. Luckily enough, I think the metaphor here is really great. Because because it takes a Decepticon blasting him the fuck in the face for Ultra Magnus to be like, "Oh, the Decepticons are back." This is such like uh, this is a literal punch in the
0: face. And so yeah, so like like Sentinel over Magnus's shoulder is like, "What the hell is that?" And right. and it, and it kind of it kind of reminds you that Sentinel may not have seen a Decepticon before. Um, like he literally doesn't even know what it looks like yeah in fact Optimus says oh
1: that's right you've never seen one up close it's called a Decepticon such a great smarmy line from Optimus I love it Mm Mm-hmm. yeah so everything else goes down this is where this is where Starscream gets up because as we know he's immortal he uses his null rays and just it's like this huge blast that takes out uh, Ultra Magnus yeah Uh, very intense scene but yeah this is this is like Hey, the Decepticons are back. You can't get more up close and personal than getting shot in the face by one. Right. So finally, finally, after all this, after this great battle, they find it takes a lot to take. Uh, Starscream down. I don't know if Starscream was always this strong, but it takes like, you know, uh, Bumblebee and Ratchet crossing the streams and Bulkhead Super Punch. Like they throw everything they have at this guy and he's just like walking out of town, ignoring it.
0: Right. Well, and and yeah, Starscream is just nonplussed at this point. You know, it's like and I wonder if the more all spark fragments he collects the more powerful he he becomes perhaps but like he he's doing this this walks away from explosion type thing like he do, he doesn't even like um quicken his pace at all he's he's just taking like a yeah. leisurely walk as all of these autobots are just throwing everything at him and it's just it just doesn't do um anything and he's just mowing these people down and it comes down to ultra magnus is down and the Decepticons getting away What's our next move, Sentinel?
1: Right, right, and that's where that's where yeah, uh, turns really into the Battle of New York from Avengers. Right, Optimus is forced to step up. He does a great job. Uh, they give Starscream the Loki treatment. Right, they bolt his mouth shut. They escort him out of the city, and and finally, finally, Ultra Magnus is forced to admit that a) there's Decepticons in existence, and b) that there's some merit left in Optimus. Uh, the the fragments of the Allspark are real. Uh, there's proof of the Allspark again. Um, you know, and, and Optimus has some of the fragments of what made him a great leader back in the day. Uh, Ultra Magnus has to see that at this point, and he does. He lets the Autobots. He agrees to let the Autobots stay on Earth, and he even throws in some uh, stasis cuffs as a consolation prize.
0: Yeah, he's like, you're gonna need these for later. Gives him a whole crate. Whole creative of them, and it's like, what kinky shit are you into? Good lord! <laughs> uh, but you also see a reprise of the Allspark chest, you know, the 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 big Matrix looking thing earlier, and it's interesting. Now I feel like we've established the. Overarching storyline for this season where I would imagine this is going to continue, this cycle is going to continue where they're going to look for and find all spark fragments to put into this chest, which I think is interesting. I I kind of took it more spiritually that like the energy was dispersed. Um, but turns out no, the crystal just exploded and there are shards everywhere. Those those are kind of two different things. So it feels to me like the the thrust of the narrative now is well we have to get all the shards and crystals back and put it back into into this chest and a uh, stasis cuff a bunch of fools while we're at it yeah well i think i
1: think you know for the ending of season one it's it's a lot more like a metaphorical thing at that moment it's kind of this you know sort of beautiful ending uh and now we need to get to you know the, the death star exploded now we got to You know, now the Ewoks have to pick up the rubble, right? Like now, now we're seeing like some actual uh, change coming out of this. So with with that, uh, yeah, now as you were saying, we have a plot for this season. We have collecting all spark fragments and Decepticons as their new deal. Uh, With that, the Elite Guard finally depart Earth. Um and that'd Good be a great place. again, a great place to end the episode, but that's not what Transformers Animated does. No, it cuts back no. to Decepticon HQ. Yeah uh, where Megatron drops this bomb on everybody. Uh he orders uh Blitzwing and Lugnut to contact, quote, their double agent on Cybertron. Oof, and man. it seems like everything's just going to Megatron's plan.
0: Yeah, he's like Cybertron is within my grasp. We're going to conquer it from within. Yeah. And that's the the thing that for me, first-time watcher, I don't know who it is. I don't know what's going to happen. And there there is a part of me that like um yeah, again, please don't spoil me on Twitter, by the way. Um, it, it, but, like, this this is what the audience is here for. For me, like, having these surprises in real time. Um, so it's like that. I, w- I was, like... You know, slack jaw, dumbstruck. I was just like, "Oh my god, double agent!" And I'm like, "Oh my god, is it? Is it fucking double dealer? Oh my god, is it? Is it punch counter punch? My my uh my uh, uh counterpart is nearby, real nearby. Yeah. You know, one one of those kinds. <laughs> if of you know dumb- what I mean. <laughs> and I think that you do. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh! Um, but yeah. um, and, and but I would imagine in TFA fashion, and I don't want to necessarily set myself up for for um, uh, expectations needlessly, but it's probably something that's going to be a real surprise. It'd be like, oh, that's what we're doing. That's cool because that's that's what TFA has done so far, and i i haven't I haven't been disappointed. So I, I'm really eager to see this next motion of the of the plot continue
1: yeah cool me too me too i'll just say that
0: (laughs) (laughs) all right well so that is uh the episode and um uh before we get out of here we got a couple uh last bit of um uh things to do let's uh let's transition to mike's g1 score And this and this one is is pretty easy and not as uh um uh the thing that I like about my G one score is how unscientific it is. Um I am going to uh in the spirit, as it were, of uh of Starscream's ghost, uh I, I'm gonna give this a G one rating of six point six six because he's uh <laughs> because uh, oh, he's the devil. He's the devil. I love it. Yes <laughs> and all that.
1: Uh... That's a big score coming off your 0.0 that you gave last time
0: big swing. I mean, I mean, again, it's, it's undead Starscream. It's uh, it's immortal Starscream. Uh, we're even making uh jokes and comments about it being the ghost of Starscream. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I'm being kitschy with the with, with the 6.66, but, no, uh, but still that that's, I mean, if I weren't being kitschy, I would still say it'd be at least five. Cause it's, it's because of the enormity of the trope. Yeah, it's
1: very clear that they're referencing StarStream's ghost. Yeah. And they do it multiple times. Uh, you know, it's it's not just like a, a quick hidden Easter egg. They're like beating you over the head.
0: So um, with that, uh, let's uh, let's take a quick dive into the mailbag. Mail
2: time. Mail time. Mail time. Mail time.
0: The mail's here. It's the mail that never fails it makes me want to wag my tail when it comes I want a whale mail um and first let's uh let's go to uh Twitter and we were we were talking earlier about uh the you know, your, your ultra Magnus toys. And I saw this, this tweet from our buddy, Matthew Barbario. And he's like, well, while listening to the newest two Mike's two furious, I was playing the game forza horizon three. I was able to get this big armored truck in looking through the skins. I found ultra Magnus exclamation And it was, um, it was not too long after the discussion about his alt mode. So he's listening to the podcast playing forza forza horizon horizon three and this um this skin for this truck is like i mean i i don't know anything about uh forza horizon three but like this skin is legit like it's in the right colors it's got the autobot symbol on the front it even says elite guard on the uh on the grill yeah. And, and even across the top of the windscreen, it says Ultra Magnus on it. So it is very um, uh, specifically <laughs> um, um, yeah. Ultra Magnus themed.
1: So I... I came across this when I saw this tweet. uh, It was very early in the morning. Uh, I probably shouldn't have been awake yet. And I literally (laughs) looked at my phone and I saw the picture that he posted and I was like, oh, cool. Yeah, it's a truck that kind of looks like Ultra Magnus. I was like, no, it is. If you zoom in. Yeah, it actually is Ultra Magnus from this show. Like it's referencing the elite guard. Uh, That's so cool.
0: That's wild. What What I don't know is the age of that Forza Horizon 3 game. It's like, is it from like 2008, 2009-ish? I don't or think it's like from then,
1: but I think it's closer to then than it is to today. Uh, let gotcha. me just look it up really quick. Uh, Forza Horizon 3 is a 2016 racing game. Holy smokes. Wow. So this... Like nine years after or like eight years after this, apparently they did a skin for it.
0: Square in the middle. That's uh that's crazy. Yeah, that's interesting. Huh. Uh, we continue uh, on uh, uh, Twitter, and again, you can find us at 2Mikes2Furious, two two and our good buddy Jobot, uh responded to uh, our previous episode, not not our previous episode, uh, Ultra Magnus, uh, episode one, um, quote-unquote, race car stripes and a bitchin' visor, uh, end quote, should be the quote Jazz uses on his dating profile. I'm digging the new episode. Great job, guys. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I believe that was a quote from you, Mikey. That's a that was a that was a winner.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I love it, and um, uh, glad to see that Joe has picked back up the the podcast again. Um, uh, Joe bought, of course, uh, a member of Mike and the Earth Sparkles. Uh, one of these times, uh, eventually, over on Mike Cybert Radio, my other podcast, we'll uh, we'll finish up our discussion of uh, season one of Transformers Earth Spark. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a great hearing from that dude, and it, it feels like the the more people people come back and respond it, it, the the more it feels like uh uh we back baby <laughs> that uh, that kind yeah.
1: of yeah oh it's so good yeah i mean we took our hiatus so it's like uh oh are people going to pick us back up again
0: and yeah
1: they're coming out of the woodwork just like the Decepticons
0: <laughs> exactly where 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 are these fans so uh, let me dip into the mailbag and go to uh, the YouTube comments which again is kind of like one of the more centralized uh, hubs for uh, for commentary on the episodes and we go back to our friend Matthew Barbario of, uh, of the Ultra Magnus episode season two episode one uh, another great episode this week exclamation point I love this episode of TFA, uh, meaning the Elite Guard, um, I actually watched this episode right after uh, re-watching the finale in preparation for those podcast episodes because I couldn't help myself. I never thought about (laughs) how Ultra Magnus was likely feeling towards Optimus and that he was supposed to be in Sentinel's position, so that's going to be something I pay attention to going forward. And I just gotta say it, Sentinel sucks. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> that was a real rose and a thorn for me uh <laughs> oh he both, both i love what you said and i hate your favorite
0: character he it uh, but... continues um there are oh. a few characters in this series i don't like and he is one wait for it Ooh. gird your loins wow i prefer professor penny princess over him exclamation point <laughs> <laughs> but he did give us a very memorable scene in an upcoming episode. So he does get some positivity points there. I'm, I'm sure he's referring to his uh, encounter with the headmaster. Uh, also, I always feel so bad for Sari in the end of the episode. Her entire world is just starting to crash down around her. Her dad is missing. She just lost control of failing Sumdac systems. And now she just found out she doesn't even exist. That just, that's just awful, especially for an eight-year-old.
1: Yeah. Brutal, brutal. Yeah. Seeing, seeing sorry through this lens, uh, it's really adding some gravity to how bad things are going at the start of this season.
0: Absolutely. And uh the uh the last bit of uh mailbag feedback for uh for this episode, uh, this this is kind of like a a reverse shout-out slash pat on the back thing. Um I don't know if you saw, but like uh once in future guest, uh La La Lita, the, the number one Alita One stand in all of the universe, uh was on uh, uh Cam uh their channel, talking about ranking all of of the um, Alita One Uh, iterations and gave us a very nice shout out uh, during that podcast um, and talked about her thoughts on uh, TFA's take on, um, on Alita one. Uh, But she uh, totally name dropped us and uh, uh, talked about having a uh, great time on our show. But uh, part of the reason why this is kind of like a self-serving shout out as well. Um, Who likes that tweet? None other than uh, Transformers scribe uh, notorious uh, James Roberts. Um, yeah, right? and, oh, and that's so cool. And that that just blew me away to the point where I'm having people text me and message me, congratulations on the James Roberts mention. And I'm like, I'm like, first of all, it's Lita's tweet. He he likes Lita. He likes Lita's tweets. I think it's a coincidence that we just happen to be mentioned in there. Like, I don't I don't know what Mr. Roberts' uh, relationship to TFA, if he's even seen it, and I don't know if he's checked out our, our podcast or not but um, but hey if you have uh, hey uh, James Roberts you're welcome to come on the show uh, anytime you like um, I'm just gonna go about my day uh, assuming he is a listener of the
1: show I think that's just what I need in my life right now uh, <laughs> that little bit of boo boost
0: I would imagine that he he uh, sits listening to podcasts um, drinking a, a I'm sure uh, delicious savory tea and he's just like this is so delightfully American. <laughs> Um, These two fucking chodes. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Goes back to sippy steps. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my gosh. James Roberts is awesome. So um Yeah, we
1: love you, James Roberts. Sorry about Mike's impression of you just now. (laughs) <laughs> exactly don't take it out on me michael andrews i'm the cool one <laughs> right. don't forget about
0: the mouthy mike uh mouthy mike. <laughs> i'm the i'm the cool mike mouthy mike and cool mike good lord you got put like <laughs> that uh that 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 starscream loki uh thing for uh for for my smart mouth it would seem yeah yeah for sure <laughs> bolted shut Oh man! So before we get out of here, you know what time it is. Uh, we got to, we we couldn't leave oh. this place without uh without dimming the lights and setting the mood. It is time, my friends, for the Michael Anders preview haiku, a pre-ku, if you will. This is this yeah. is a big one. I cannot wait.
1: Yes. Oh yeah. Here we go. Bum bum. Of rivets and rust, old voices emerge anew. Things start to get Weird.
0: Mm. Mm-hmm. I love jazz it. Chucks. I love it. Yeah, jazz chucks, jazz chucks, <laughs> possibly for the last time for a while. I, I, uh, I hope our friends in the elite guard are okay and nothing terrible happens to any of them. Um, yeah, we've just gotten attached to them now, and they're already exactly. Leaving. Except for that sentinel guy. That dude can get fucked right in his ear. <laughs> mm. <laughs> no comments. yeah yeah there you go there you go um uh so yeah that's uh that's it uh uh thanks for hanging out with us and and again if you see me at tfcon in march uh be sure and say hi and uh let's have some pizza
1: yes have some pizza yes, I, I don't know. i don't <laughs>
0: i don't know how to end My these off. things anymore <laughs>
1: well you landed it beautiful cool.
0: Want to be a guest on the show? Send us an email, 2Mikes2Furious at gmail.com. Interact with us on social media. You can follow 2Mikes2Furious two two on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at 2Mikes2Furious. Two two
2: when I was a young boy, my father took me into the city to see a marching band. He said, son, when you grow up, would you be the savior of the broken, the beaten and the damned? He said, will you defeat them, your demons and all the non-believers, the plans that they have made? Because one day... To lead you in the summer To join the Black Parade You couldn't lead a parade Make sure he's offline this time His lock chamber is empty his life force has been extinguished. Dump that piece of traitorous garbage where it belongs. Sam says I get the feeling. She's watching no- another approach.